Attention, Ditto Heads. Attention, Bo Scouts. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the Soul of Excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, rush. Now, here's Bo Snurdly. That's right, Mike. We're here. Ready to unload. Oh, goodness gracious. We're back again for Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to be on the Rush Hour today, 800-848-WABC is the number, 800-848-9222. And there is so much that has transpired since we were together at noon, well, quarter after this afternoon, and I will be on at noon tomorrow. So you can join us tomorrow at noon and then again here for Bo Snurley's Rush Hour at 4 o'clock. One of the stories that broke in between the shows concerns our governor, our unelected governor, Ms. Hochul. And we'll deal with that. Uh, Jacqueline Carl is going to come in because New York has had, we've had some news concerning the elections that might affect the primary. And rather than me bumble my way through it, we've asked for the experts. So... Jacqueline Carl from WABC News is going to stop in and kind of give us a heads up on that. Uh, Mayor Adams, I tell you, okay, okay. Whenever I mention Mayor Adams, there are people out there that cringe. They say, I hope he's not going to talk about the way that Mayor Adams dresses again. I'm so sick of hearing that. I want to hear the issues, the issues. I'm going to give you some issues. All right. Mayor Adams says he's going to release his taxes, but he called the reporter arrogant arrogant for asking about his taxes. Well, isn't that just... Mayor Adams now says he initially refused to commit to disclosing his tax returns because the reporter who asked the question on the topic did so arrogantly and showed him disrespect. I mean, this is like playground stuff. Oh, you dissed me. You dissed me. I'm not going to give you my tax returns because you dissed me. Really? Uh, The mayor last week vowed to release unspecified tax information, but he would not uh, commit to releasing his full returns. And so he explained today, here's what I was saying to the arrogance of the reporter that asked the question and how he asked it. So when he said, watch how he asked a question in the city, so this is just all nonsense. I mean, this is like grade school nonsense. Oh, he's arrogant. Hey, Mr. Mayor, have you ever watched a press conference and watched the way that the press treated President Trump? Have you ever watched the way that they used to treat George W. Bush? Do When you were a kid, did you watch Sam Donaldson? Every time he questioned Richard Nixon, did you ask that other guy, the, 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 where's the frequency, Kenneth guy, Dan, Dan Rather, when he used to question Republican presidents? And you're sitting here crying because somebody asked you about your tax rate? First of all, to be totally frank with you, and I know many of you disagree with this, I don't care whether these politicians release their tax returns or not. I don't care. Your tax returns are supposed to be private unless you want to make them public. I have no problem with keeping their tax returns private. I don't need to know. There are plenty of other things that we can know. 
Look at Joe Biden. He supposedly released his tax returns, and yet we still don't know where that $5 million came from that's in his account. So what good was that? Okay, turning our attention to Governor, the unelected Governor Hochul. Republican gubernatorial candidate Rob Astorino accused Governor Kathy Hochul on Wednesday of failing to enforce existing state law against migrants, that the White House is flying into an airport outside New York City under the cover of darkness. This would be Westchester County Airport where they're flying in. It gets dark. Everyone goes to sleep, and then here come the flights into Westchester Airport where they offload all these illegal immigrants, and people are waiting for them. The buses are waiting for them, highly organized. And then they disappear, and no one ever knows what happened to them. No one knows who they are. They're not vetted well. Astorino says it's Governor Hochul's responsibility to know who's on these flights, yet she's refusing to use her powers, her power. She's refusing to use her powers to find out. I always love when Darth Vader said that. I have the power. Yeah. Government is supposed to be accountable to all of its citizens, even in New York. Astorino said, yeah, right. Tell that to the liberals. They don't believe that for one second. Please. Okay, there is something serious I want to talk about outside of New York. And there are two things, actually. But this one, and, and I need you to bear with me if you if you care to or, or if you feel like you can. Look, I know the Twitter stuff is out here. Oh, speaking of that, it's a wonderful day in America. I got 20,000 Twitter followers back today. Twitter had kind of dissed my account along. See, I sound like Mayor Adams. They disrespected me. And I lost 20,000 more than that, actually, Twitter followers overnight back in when the, the shadow banning stuff was just starting to happen, all of a sudden, today, they're back. First it was 10,000, and then I looked this afternoon, another 10,000, and people are saying things to me like, oh, I used to get your post all the time. Then they went to one a week, and then I haven't seen it, but today I'm seeing all your posts. Other people are saying, I don't know what happened, but I'm back now. I didn't do anything. Thank you, Elon. And, of course, Twitter's saying that this is how, this is not, I'm not alone here. I think Donald Trump Jr. had some insane number of people. We're talking tens of thousands of tens and tens of thousands of people come back online with his account. Ted Cruz, other, a lot of other conservatives today have reported that all of a sudden their numbers changed. And, by the way, leftists are reporting that their, their numbers have dropped. So Twitter says all this is just organic give and take. Mm-hmm, hmm hmm The complaints against Elon Musk on the business platform Slack are outrageous. Some of these people, I mean, if they still have jobs after he takes over, if he takes over, it would be stunning because they're just, it's mutiny. I mean, these people are just arrogantly saying whatever they want to say, mean, nasty things about Elon Musk. They're the guy that could be their new employer. And then someone got wise and said, hey, you know, they can dig this stuff up. So they started using Signal instead where they can make their remarks in an encrypted manner without having to worry that their remarks will be discovered. But there's enough out here. And there is a spate of articles today. We could spend all show today talking about Twitter, but I'm not going to. 
I love it, first of all. I never get tired of reading this Twitter stuff, but I don't want to bore you to tears by just being a one-note samba. That was a great song, by the way, Antonio Carlos Hobim, one-note samba. But I don't want to be a one-note samba and just Twitter, 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 Twitter. So we have enough Twitter stuff that will last through the week. I'll sprinkle it in, and it's all lovely. There are some great articles. There's one in the New York Post. I'm just giving you headlines. Twitter workers freaking out over Elon Musk in internal Slack messages. New York Times. This is an Ezra, Ezra, Ezra Klein column. Elon Musk got Twitter because he gets Twitter. Interestingly enough, Fox News. Elon Musk condemns Twitter censorship of New York Post Hunter Biden laptop story. Obviously incredibly inappropriate. There's great stories today in American Wire News about Twitter and BizPack Review. There's another story unrelated to Twitter that we didn't get to in the the, uh, opening hour today. Trevor Reed detained U.S. Marine released by the Ruskies. In an exchange deal, we released one of theirs. They released this Marine No word on the female basketball player. She may be sitting there a while. AmericanWireNews.com, Tom Tillerson, one of my favorite authors, writers, unleashed the trolls. The View adds cherry on top of the leftist meltdown with desperate take on Twitter takeover. He did a report on what The View was, and you can just imagine that. Or you can go to AmericanWireNews.com and read it. There's a story in BizPack, not going to have time to get to all the way through because I do want to do something else that to me is more of a priority than this. But Tucker Carlson, I really, really admire Tucker Carlson. I made no secret about it. I think he's a great guy. Tucker Carlson has lambasted House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy over the leaked conversations. Kevin, got, Kevin McCarthy got a standing O today from the Republican caucus. This They don't mind. He's, if, if this is what it appears to be when Republicans win, if they win in November, he's going to be speaker again. And Tucker's saying that he's poison for the GOP. He's a puppet of the Democrat Party. And interesting. And, and Tucker's out there on a limb with this. By the way, Matt Getz made some uh, statements about not only uh, Kevin McCarthy, but, um, but, but Steve Scalise, too. Very critical today. We'll see how all that plays out. Another story in American Wire News, back to the Twitter, 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 Musk accused of misogyny. You know why? Because he criticized two female executives. One of their top lawyers at Twitter cried cried, broke down and cried at the buyout meeting that they had. Because basically he called them out on the way that they shut down the New York Post Hunter Biden story. And so she breaks down in tears. (laughs) Elon's picking on me. Mommy, mommy, Elon's picking on me. All right, here's a story that I wanted to get into, and I'm going to beg your indulgence because I think this is an important story. The Minnesota Department of Human Rights on Wednesday said that nearly 
their two-year investigation. This is after, you know, George Floyd and all of that. There's probable cause that the city of Minneapolis and the Minneapolis Police Department engaged in a pattern or practice of race discrimination in violation of that state's Human Rights Act. The investigation was announced after George Floyd was murdered in 2020. 72-page report said that the police department there engage, engages, not it's not over, engages in a pattern or practice of discriminatory race-based policing. They cited racial disparities in how the Minneapolis Police Department officers use force, stop, search, arrest, and cite people of color. Officers use their use of covert social media to surveil black individuals, black organizations, unrelated to criminal activity. And the Minneapolis Police Department officers' consistent use of racist, misogynistic, and disrespectful language. As an example, the report notes that the MPD's data showed that during the time of neck restraints were permitted, MPD officers were almost twice as likely to use neck restraints against black individuals and white individuals who MPD officers recorded as behaving in the same way when they were interacting with the police and whose police interactions stem from the same, the same kind of offense. So in other words, two equal settings and the police twice as often use those kind of neck restraints with, with the black people they encountered. Now, this is pretty damning if you take it on its face. I, of course, am skeptical of any kind of report, but I also want to point out something. And I think that we as a society need to address this. On one hand, we are told that the government should be colorblind, like the police. Oh, don't look at people's color. Treat everybody the same. On the other hand, liberals demand in almost every public policy statute that they take that the government should treat people differently on by virtue of their race or their gender or some other classification. I hope this is not I, – I, I think that this is a pretty – I don't want to over, overstate it and say that it's a very important point. But on if you have a culture throughout a company or in government that says one thing, look, we're going to treat everybody the same, and that's the culture, then that's what gets inculcated into the organization. But when you have a culture that says, oh, we're going to treat people differently on account of race. Well, is anybody surprised that people are treated differently on account of race? I'd love to hear what you have to say. When we get back, Jacqueline Carl is going to join us. She's going to explain something that happened in New York today. That is amazing. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Snurley. We're back right after this on Bo Snurley's Rush Hour. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. 
sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Talk Radio 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush, Rush. Earth, Wind, and Fire bring us back on WABC Talk Radio 77 New York. Fantasy. From the All in All album. Today's the day we are celebrating Earth, Wind, and Fire EWF. Their lead saxophone player, Andrew Wolfick, has passed away, age 71. Was an amazing musician. Philip Bailey, who's doing the lead here, made the announcement this morning. can't help but smile with this music, even though it's sad news. It's just so, it's such a good song. Exactly. I remember when this album came out, I played this song over and over and over again until I memorized the lyrics. In your car or? No, in my, on my turntable. You know, this was still the vinyl record days. The cover was amazing. Harmonies were amazing. Oh, yeah. So, yes. we have amazing news, too, in New York. Fill us in, Jacqueline. Well, today, the State, of Court, uh, the State Court of Appeals agreed with a group of Republican voters who say the district boundaries had been unconstitutionally gerrymandered and the legislature didn't follow proper procedure in passing the maps. So the, the maps that were made by the Democrats, as seen as widely favoring the Democrats, uh, have been rejected so far. A lower court also ruled the maps were unconstitutional. It had given the legislature on April 30th a deadline to come up with new maps or leave it to a court-appointed expert. The court says it will, quote, likely be necessary now to move the congressional and state Senate primary elections from June to August because you know what gerrymandering is. Well, how about for those that don't? Okay. So we looked it up, and it's 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 from... It came from Vice President Eldridge Jerry, and he was vice president under President James Madison from 1813 to 1814. And what it is, is the dividing of state, county, etc. into election districts so as to give one political party a majority in many districts while concentrating the voting strength of the other party into as few districts as possible. So because they can't get these maps worked out, they might have to postpone the election. Something amazing is happening in this election season. Uh, early reports with Republicans having control of the state legislatures, a majority of them, said that this was going to be a banner year for Republicans, that they would just walk through, gerrymander their way through, and have and rack up amazing victories come November. Mm-hmm. That's not turning out to be the case. Democrats have actually done quite well drawing election lines. California's picking up seats, even though they lost population. 
mm-hmm. and other Democrat strongholds. There's a battle going in, in Maryland that is unbelievable. Democrats have just, they've lost all interest in appearing to be failed. They're just like, we're going to write out you Republicans and just get rid of you. That one's in the court. And New York, of course, was deemed outrageous by election watchers and said this is outrageous. But I didn't expect this action today from the court. I said, well, this is New York. And New York courts are going to find with the Democrats because this is New York. So this comes as a total surprise. There's a huge article today in Politico, and they go through state by state, by st- and, and you can look and see where the breakouts are and where the totals are. Right. right now, there are some uh, very few states unreporting, and right now it looks like the battle for gerrymandering king is about even. No one's going to get the advantage. It is. I had a feeling when the lower court rolled that the maps were unconstitutional, that this was going to be quite quite the fist fight over these maps and, and how they were going to flesh out. It's still not decided. I mean, there, that'll be appealed. Get, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul and State AG uh, Letitia James fought the first time to keep them. It's going back and forth. It's go, it's, I think it's going to go back and forth for a while, which is why I think they're going to postpone the or the post. It's likely to be necessary to move the elections, the primary elections. Now, there are going to be some that think that this is a good idea. This gives longer time. You know, Hochul's got a war chest that is unbelievable. She's raised quite a lot of money. And you have on the Republican side, of course, Andrew Giuliani's running, and you have um, Asper, Asper, how do you pronounce his name? I just lost it. And I, Astorino, thank you. Um, he's running, and isn't Lee Zeldin running? Yeah, and Lee Zeldin. So this is going to be a big fist fight on the, and by the way, all three of them are really good candidates. So this could be. Could divide the vote. Yeah, this could divide the vote all kind of way. They all three have really <clears throat> strong uh, credentials. And they're all very vocal about what they would do. So we're looking at a three-way race, and this could give somebody more time to actually uh, claim a better fundraising stance and move into the position of, it looks like I'm going to win, the likely winner. On the on the Democrat side, they know who they're going to face. It's going to be Hochul, the unelected governess of New York, who can mandate whatever she wants to, apparently, because she's the unelected governess of New York. I know you can't comment on that. I'm not asking you to. No, it's not. But, I mean, she's also got some hurdles with her running mate not being eligible now and still on the ballot. So, I mean, this is going to be an interesting, an interesting time. Okay. Now, again, I'm not going to ask you to comment on this unless you want to. And, of course, you always stay in the news lane. I don't have to. Um, the, turning, this is a different, different subject altogether. The CDC and the FDA, according to a new report that just came out, Daily Mail UK, only one reporting it so far, have found that COVID guidance and even suppressed that have been altered. Some of the guidance coming from the FDA and the CDA, and and I'm sorry, the CDC was altered and in some cases suppressed. Because of political pressure brought upon those agencies. Now, of course, in this article, they're trying to lay the blame on Trump. But why? Why? Why would did they say why? Because yeah, because th- these agencies did not have anything in place, any mechanisms in place to report the political pressure that was coming to 
the officials, and they did a poor job in training their employees how to handle this. Now, again, I they're trying to blame in this article. You see Trump's name. You see Trump's name. I'm going to tell you something. This goes way beyond Trump, folks. I will say this to you, and I'm, again, everyone said, and I've seen all the, the, the stories that said, oh, hydroxychloroquine, terrible, 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 only idiots think about using that stuff. Ivermectin, horrible, horrible, horrible. They, it gives, they, it's a dewormer for horses. Human beings shouldn't even be taking dewormer. Well, I had COVID that almost killed me. The only, twice, I was on death's door. The only thing that pulled me out was hydroxychloroquine. So you can say all you want to about hydroxychloroquine not working. It worked for me. And so I don't need to read some, some newspaper interpretation of a report to tell me that the information that Americans have been given during this entire COVID has been faulty. I also talked to an intelligence officer who is now deceased. He was one of America's most amazing intelligence officers early on. And he told me there was suspicion in the highest ranks of the government of the origins of COVID and that the information that was first being presented to Americans, that this came from a open wet market in Wuhan, was completely wrong. There was no wet market anywhere near Wuhan and that the government... Our government knew when these first cases came into being, and they were highly suspicious. There are still people that are disputing that. And America, we don't have the full story. No, I believe we don't have the full story because I've heard so many different theories about when when it was known that this was starting and who knew and but it's it's difficult to to comment on it for me as a journalist when I don't have the facts about it. It's best for a, a host to talk about it and kind of flesh it out a little bit and have people call in and and it, or have guests who have information on it because it has been. I've heard a million things about this since it started. Right, and that's <clears throat> by the way, I'm doing a podcast where people can tell their own Good. COVID stories. And I let off with mine. And that's what I want. I mean, look, I don't care for the politics of any of this. Americans deserve better in a pandemic. There should be nobody trying to put their political imprint on a health care system, especially when we're in the midst of a pandemic. I don't care which party it is, who the official is. Americans deserve the truth. Agreed. Thank you, Jacqueline. Always a pleasure to have you here. You're welcome, Bo. Thank you, and thank you for having me. Anytime as we are here on Bo Snerdley's Rush Hour, and we're coming right back. Don't go away. Rush. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley. Bo Snerdley. On 77 WABC. The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdly. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snerdly. Rush, Rush. Now, here's Bo Snerdly. Earth. Wind and fire.
the album was in the stone. That's the name of it. And there's the beautiful sound of Andrew Wolfock, who passed away at age 71. Yeah, WABC Talk Radio 77. Look, I want to close the loop, and we're going to take your calls. 800-848-WABC. 800-848-9222. I want to close the loop on a few things. Number one, this Minnesota human rights study. Now, I am, and I don't, following the, the advice of our beloved Princess Di, to keep your skepticism handy anytime you're reading anything from any government agency. <clears throat> and so this report that found, the 72-page report that found that pretty much the Minneapolis Police Department was racist, they have racial disparities on how they stop, search, arrest, cite black people, how they use force. Okay. I can be skeptical and say, okay, maybe this didn't happen. But I can also be skeptical and say, well, maybe it did. And maybe this is the way that it works. And I can just hear in my ears some of the reaction. Oh, you are not supporting law enforcement. Yes, I do support law enforcement 100%. That said, there are things that have to change if we are going to be honest in our support of law enforcement. Let us remember, first and foremost, that law enforcement is still a function of government. And government and bureaucracies deserve to be held accountable at every step of the way, including law enforcement agencies. And we can support the brave men and women who serve us in these jobs. And I truly believe that the overwhelming majority of people that are in law enforcement are doing their best to keep us protected, but there are rogues in in law enforcement, and we shouldn't be surprised when they pop up. There's also also institutional memory and history in any big bureaucracy. And so you look at where these problems are. These problems are, every one of them are in blue cities where police are accused of using excessive force against black or Hispanic people of color. You look at who's running these governments and why have these situations been allowed to fester. And there is a culture within law enforcement, and if it requires to be changed, then it, we need to bring it out in the open and not hide behind it. You know, I've often marveled how police departments when you go into these black neighborhoods and that are rampant with cl- crime, ooh, did he say that? Yes, he said it. When you go into these black neighborhoods where criminality is just allowed to flourish unabated, where black people are killing each other off in record numbers and Democrats sit on the sidelines and do nothing while innocent children are being exposed to gunfire, mayhem, rape, robbery every weekend as a normal life. And these Democrats sit on their asses every single weekend and watch these numbers go up and up and then come out and say, oh, how they sorry they are when another child succumbs 
and is dead because of this violence. This is typical life in Blue City, America. But then you hear from the police, too. And the police say, yeah, this is just so tragic, but we can't get any of these people to talk. They won't tell us. They won't tell us who did this. They won't snitch because we all know that snitches end up in ditches, needing stitches. Right? So we know that's part of the culture. But isn't it ironic? Because the same people that complain that black people won't snitch don't snitch on themselves. Ever heard of that blue wall of silence? It's the same thing. We're not going to rat out our fellow officers who we know are engaging in bad behavior because we're going to be ostracized, we're going to be targeted, we're going to be run out of the force, our families are going to suffer. There has to be a cultural realignment on both sides. You cannot have black parents or parent, since most of what we're talking about are single-parent households, allowing their kids to grow up glorifying criminal behavior, bringing this criminal nonsense into the house through their music and entertainment, which says that this is okay culturally, and expect them to have encounters with the police that are good. If you think criminality is okay, if you think leading street life is a good thing, and this is what you teach your children, and this is the culture that you raise your children in, don't be surprised when your little children end up in jail or end up killing each other because it's not okay. But at the same time, we can, and no one, the Democrat Party will not address this in black culture. They will not address what is now commonplace in certain, certain segments of the black population in this country. Not all. But they also won't address the need for cultural change inside some of these police departments. Okay? I grew up here. All right? I remember reading the stories about the police over at the precinct when they shoved that broomstick up the Haitian immigrants behind and sent him into the hospital. It was awful. I remember Thomas Shea, 103rd Precinct, getting off for murdering a black kid. I remember Robert Tosney, who shot a black woman in our, near our neighborhood, just got out of his car and shot her for no reason. They sent, her, they sent him to Bellevue. He stayed in Bellevue, not Bellevue. They sent him to Creedmoor. And a few years in Creedmoor, they just released him. Okay, you're free. No penalty. Black people look at this stuff too. And they say, what the hell's going on here? I say, look at yourselves too. We have a culture to change. But the police... And I love you, law enforcement. And yes, I understand that you are putting your lives on the line. And I understand that every day you have to go into these neighborhoods that no one else wants to go in. You have to see things that are so ugly and heinous that you don't even want to bring it home and discuss it with your family. I get it. I know that. And I know how brave you are for standing up to some of these gangsters and criminals who think nothing about snuffing somebody's life out. But at the same time, Both sides, if we're correcting this, 
have a cultural problem that needs to be changed. We cannot have in America a government that is not colorblind and expect people that work for government to be colorblind. If you're telling people all day long that, well, we're going to give this one a a break because he's black. We're going to give this one a break because he has a dangly and and this one doesn't have a dangly. We're going to give this one a break and because 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 they call themselves a different pronoun and they were the, them, 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 they, they, z, z, y, or whatever it is. How can you have a government that keeps dividing its citizens into these little groups and handing out favors based on this whole student loan thing is ridiculous. Oh, well, the little millennial kids, why they're suffering under debt that they took on themselves and we have to give them the money back. Oh, really? When are you going to pay my damn mortgage? I have debt, too. How can you have a government that continues to look at its people and put them in these little different pockets, and you get the benefits and you don't, and then expect your police department not to look at people the same way? This one's like this. This one deserves a break. This one doesn't deserve a break. They're just looking at people the same way the government looks at people. This is why America is supposed to be a nation where we are all equal under the law. Nobody gets special breaks under the law. We are all treated equally under the law. And that was the original dream of the civil rights movement that Democrats have spent now almost 50 years bastardizing. It's the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on 77 WABC. James Golden, known popularly as Bo Snurdly. This is the Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly. Rush, Rush, Rush. The Anthem. Find peace of mind if you look way down in your heart and your soul. Earth, Wind, and Fire brings us back on WABC, celebrating the life of Andrew Wolfuck. Earth, Wind, and Fire is an amazing saxophone player who passed away at age 71. Let us start on the telephones with Natalie in Long Island. Natalie, thank you for waiting. You're on with James Golden. Hi. 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 Hi.
Hi, Bo. I'm no problem waiting. I'm calling. I have a son that's a transit cop. Um, this whole thing with Mayor Adams today, I, I'm so livid. I can't even. Um, I first of all, what, to address what you were saying before, I have zero tolerance for why police would ever be get to a point where they treat people as they did back when you were speaking. I have, that's totally wrong. Uh, this man, I think, has made a terrible mistake. He has done nothing since he's gotten in office. Since he's gotten in office, our crime rate has gone higher than when de Blasio was in office. And now this man has told the public in the city, you have my permission to take photos of police officers who are using their phones while they're on the job. They shouldn't be using their phones while they're on the job, but police officers have a departmental phone. They have to use a departmental phone during their tour of duty. This man, he goes around calling people, this is my city, my this, my cops. But this is what he did today to the cops? This is terrible. People are going to take that ball and run with it. The cops need to be supported, not have the city sent out against them. I could not agree more. Natalie, thank you. Yep. Uh, if you if you don't know what you're talking about, he called out New York's police officers in public, calling them out. I'll tell you, this guy's a piece of work. Mike, Pennsylvania, WABC Talk Radio 77. Thanks for waiting. What's the point you'd like to make, Mike? Hi, James. The police officers, why don't they get trained like the state troopers? State troopers go away to the barracks. They don't go home at night from, from academy. They stay there, and they, and they train. And this gives, I think this gives them, a, uh, every, you know, the supervisor, you know, give them an idea of how these guys really are. You know, guys or girls, how their mindset are. You get to live with somebody, you get to know who they are, opposed to just putting a guy out there and, you know, and plus the other thing is the liberals all want it. Everybody should be able to be a police officer. It shouldn't matter how, how big you are. Well, uh-huh. that's a big problem with guns, you know. Yeah, I, mean, I want to be better for the New York Knicks, but I'm not. I'm not seven feet. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying, yeah, and because you need standards, and the standards have, in some cases, been lower to accommodate diversity requirements that are always put in place by liberals. Yes, I know exactly what you're saying. Let's go to Bill and Pequannock. Bill, how are you? Hello, Bill. Going once, going twice. We're going to Kathy. In Long Island. Hi, Kathy. Hi, Bill. I'm so glad to speak to you. I listen to you every day at lunchtime, and I love your show. Thank you. Um, the point I wanted to bring out to you is a little off, off topic. It was what you spoke about today at lunchtime, and you're talking about all of the mentally ill situation in New York City on the streets at the present time. I wanted to tell you that back in it, this all started, I believe, back in the 70s, the late 70s, when Governor Hugh Carey was governor. Um, he decided economically that it was more economically feasible for the states to start to close down the mental institutions. You're being very and, kind. You're being very kind, Kathleen. Kathy, what what Hugh Carey did was dump the mentally ill into the streets of the state. That's what oh, yes, he, did. he did. Yes, yes, he did. Uh, I can tell you for a fact. In 1978, we moved from New Jersey into Long Island, specifically to a barrier island called um, 
called Long Beach and Point Lookout. Oh yeah. And he dumped he dumped busloads of patients off in that city of Long Beach back then when there were so many abandoned apartment buildings on the boardwalk in Long Beach. And those poor souls were left unmonitored, unchecked, and there was no one to take care of them. And he dumped them into abandoned apartment buildings in Long Beach. Now, and let, those poor, yes, poor and, souls, and I know, Kathy, but let's, because time is short, and I don't mean to cut you off, sweetheart, but I just want to get this in. Let's remember what preceded that. Geraldo Rivera did a special a TV documentary series. This is what brought Geraldo Rivera to, to national attention on Willowbrook, the institution. And the conditions there were horrendous. And all of a sudden, New York State had liabilities for the way that they were mismanaging and mishandling the mentally ill. Then we go into budget problems, and what did Governor Ucari, Democrat, do? He dumped and got New York. He just pretty much said, we're out of the mental health game. We're going to dump these people in the streets. You're on your own. And New York has never been the same since. And after Hugh Carey did it, Blue City after Blue City followed his lead. And it's like the state abandoned its moral imperative to help those suffering from mental illness. And this country has never been the same. Kathy, I got to grab some other calls, but I thank you, Don. What a what, you have a great memory, and that is exactly why we're in the situation we are today. I also have one request. Yes. Could you could you please check on or play some Anthony Williams from the Platters sometime? Oh, you want to hear some Platters? Well, oh. <laughs> you shall get your wish. Thank you, Kathy. Appreciate the call. Mike in Brooklyn, WABC Talk Radio 77. What is the point you'd like to make? How you doing, Bo? I'm on NYPD 29 years. And we know why Adams is doing this. Why? Because he knows that we can't fight back. You know, we're, we're a paramilitary situation. He knows we can't fight back. So why doesn't he try to do the same thing with maybe Con Edison, Brooklyn Union, or National Grid, or the Teamsters Union? See what kind of rebuttal he's going to get then. He knows we can't do anything. Thank you, Mike. God bless you, my friend. Thank you. Let us go to Angela in Wisconsin. How are you, Angela? I am so happy to speak with you and to get in the phone call. Thank you. I would urge what prompted me to call was to, sounds trite, but to me it's very dear. Thank you for playing the beautiful Earth, Wind, and Fire music. And I've been crying the whole time, Bo, and I don't apologize. It just brings back what I don't know the people. I don't know the man that that, uh, that passed away, but it brings up in my emotions what they brought to me. Thank you. Uh, they do to me, me too. The- they made everybody feel good. And they talked about spirituality and spiritual and raising your consciousness in a way that everybody could understand and be a part of without alienating anybody. They were an incredible force for good, not just in the music industry, but in our society. The entire group worked so hard at making every concert. I was at many. Every concert was so very different than the other concerts. 
Exactly right. What they, what they did for us in that in that fashion. They didn't just get up there and sing and, and perform. And it was uh, and so and and you know dance. When I had a dance partner, it really meant a lot. And so it was so good to hear and to for for those of us that are very involved with the ugly politics. It is so refreshing to hear beautiful music. Thank you. Because because I don't force myself often enough to do it. So. Thank you very much. Thank you, Angela. I appreciate it. I got to run, got to grab another quick call before we go. Eileen in Piermont, thank you for calling. Thank you for holding. What's on your mind, Eileen? How you doing? Good. You, when you were on um, with uh, Joel Santisti, man, you used to tickle me to death. <laughs> James and Joel, yes. Oh, and also, I see you're still into Star Wars, but my main point is that idiot who so-called ratted on a policeman using his cell phone, it's an intra-phone. It's not where he can go standing there and go Googling and go, or go shopping on Amazon. It's all intra It is a police phone that only acts on, is only serviceable on police frequencies. That's what you're saying. And just like the caller before, and for Mayor Adams to go off on the police, well, he's going to be hearing that for a long time. Cats at Night up next. James Golden is going to be here with you tomorrow at noon for our afternoon broadcast. And we're glad to be here all week long with that. Bo Snerley's Rush Hour every day, 4 o'clock p.m. Be here. Tell your friends about it, too. Tell them we're here, 12 noon and at 4 o'clock. Especially the ditto heads. They don't know we're here. Tell them we're here. Okay? Then... JamesGolden.com, BoSnerdly.com. You can sign up for the twice daily, daily BS. And we just do two news blasts a day, fill you in on all the stuff. Many of it you won't see anywhere else. Again, Cats at Night up next. We are, who are we? We are Pennsylvania. We are Connecticut. We are New Jersey. We are Long Island. We are all New York strong. And we are in America, the greatest nation on the face of this earth. May God bless each and every one of you and your families and protect you. And look with favor on those suffering so much in Ukraine. We'll be back tomorrow at noon. And for Bo Snurley's Rush Hour at 4.